Washington City employees. Retired Air Force General says he was ordered to draw up plans to eliminate Fidel Castro back in the 60s. President Ford flying to Madrid to negotiate on Spanish bases. The president has ended his two-day NATO summit in Brussels by declaring America's European allies consider our commitment firm and vigorous and their confidence is fully justified. And that, friends, is the 9 o'clock edition of the news. This is John Scott. Next news as it happens. Next scheduled news tonight at 11. When I'll be back reporting for Lester Smith. Be sure to stay tuned now for Gene Shepard, coming up next on WOR New York and RKO General Station. Nobody, that's, that's all part of George Orwell, of course. Nobody will concede that there's a price cut, huh? So you call it a rebate. I mean, there's no such thing as a garbage man anymore. They are, there, there are uh, urban uh, sanitary uh, engineers or sanitary executives. It depends on whether you drive the truck or whether you walk behind it, you know, and shovel up the... Well, it's... Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, for those of you uh, out there uh, who live in civilization... It's time to give you a brief report, a seasonal report, on what's happening here in the Big Apple. As you know, uh, there are, uh, there's a fantastic dog population in the city of New York. In fact, uh, there have been certain estimates made that said that, they, that the dogs outnumber the people in certain areas. Yes, oh, certainly yes. And uh, in some areas, they're even more intelligent. However, uh, one thing that dogs do that most people don't do, and that is, uh, they have, let's put it this way, they have portable facilities. And uh, also very little inhibit, you know, inhibit, inhibitions about where they're going to use the portable facility. So the, uh, I'd like to report now, uh, the last couple of days has been warm here in New York. And uh, no, this is, this is one of the favorite seasons for us in Splat. Uh, 
as you know, I'm an organizing director now. Uh, I used to be the managing director, but there was a lot of strife. You know what organizations are. As soon as they get organized, within five minutes, the factions break up. There's the fundamentalists, and then there's, then there's the uh, the radical crowd, and then there's the... Uh, uh, it gets just sickening, you know. The women's lib crowd, for example, in, in our little splat organization, said that we were unfairly discriminating against female dogs. Well, because female dogs simply do not use uh, the same facilities that male dogs. For example, a female dog has a little trouble with a with a fire plug. So uh, there was a lot of strife about that, and we argued for months over that whole issue. And I, I didn't want. I just finally says I don't want to have anything to do with the whole mess. And then at that point, five other guys jumped up and says, "Don't use that word here." And I said, "Well, all right, the mess of pottage." And somebody else says, "Oh yes, that's one of those new Welsh dog foods, right?" And I says, "No, now cut it out." But the splat, for those of you who don't know anything about it. Is a, is a group of formed uh, here a few seasons ago. For those of you who have Ferrari in the bedroom, you'll find Splat very nicely outlined in that. Splat is the Society for the Prevention and Limitation of Animal... Well, radio just hasn't grown up yet. Uh, uh, <laughs> Splat. Figure out yourself. What is it you walk around and you keep stepping on all day long, Right. Okay, I will repeat. Splat is the Society for the Prevention and Limitation of Animal... Right. And, uh... Well, you know, you've got to come right and say it sometimes, buddy. I don't make the news. I only step in it. However, uh, you just missed a good line. I'll repeat. I don't make the news. I only step in it. So, uh... Ne <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, Splat has been having a fantastic series of great meetings. Just a moment. We're getting a report here from the research department. Hold on, research department, just a minute. I'll press the green button here. Yes, sir, research, research, yes. Okay, okay, let's get ready for that then. We, we've just gotten a report now that the that radio has grown up in the last 14 minutes since the show that uh, Barry Farber just did, Sex and Your Airedale. And uh, it just completely, uh, completely uh, changed the whole attitude of radio. So I would like to say that the organization, if you'd like to join, if you really have... I'll tell you what you have to do, though. You have to prove that you have had at least three occasions when you were out with your new Indian sandals, and uh, you were out, and you were, you know, everything was great, the sun was shining, and you felt just wonderful, and you're walking down the street with your new Indian sandals and your new flare denim jeans, the whole thing, when all of a sudden, without any warning, yes, right there in the middle of 6th Avenue, and the next thing you know, people are looking at you funny when you're sitting in the office and you're, you're saddled, you know, you know the whole thing, see. So you have to prove, having been wounded at least three times in combat, in fact, I'll tell you what, one of the saddest cases we have. We have, a, we have a, me a member of Splat of indeterminate sex, but that's not the point. We have a member of Splat who had this magnificent pair of russet slacks. They're just beautiful russet slacks made of, of aged burlap. They were lovely. Yugoslavian, just beautiful with a rope, with a rope, uh, a rope uh, belt and just fine. And he was standing on the corner waiting for a friend to arrive. When this small male dachshund arrived, just arrived on the scene, saw the russet slacks, and thinking that it was one of these little red fire plugs, he let go. And my friend's new slacks just—he he didn't realize they were not color fast. 
They ran all over the place. And furthermore, his friend arrived just at that moment and says, Oh, my God, what's the matter with you, Dickie? This is sickening. And uh, it just was a terrible scene. So all I can say to you, friends, if you'd like to join the organization, it is an organization called the Society for the Society is the S. See, SPLAT. Society for the Prevention and Limitation of... And if, if you'd like to join the organization, just send your name and address to SPLAT. SPLAT. I repeat, SPLAT. Again, uh, this stands for... It's, a, it's, a, it's an acronym. It stands for the Society and the Prevention of Animal... And it's just, it's just growing by leaps and bounds. We have a new chapter in Cleveland that specializes, by the way, in Weimaraners. Because, uh, you know, the Weimaraner, particularly in the Cleveland area, there's something in the water. And uh, let me tell you, there's a lot of action in Cleveland. Uh, just unbelievable. So uh, for those of you who'd like to join, we'd love to have you. And uh, we, we, what we do, uh, <laughs> you know what our slogan is, uh, kick a mutt in the behind today. Uh, which uh, which is what our slogan is, especially if you can catch them in the act. See, uh, you just run right up and you give up. We had a fantastic example of the kind of athletics that are possible in this field. Uh, one of our members reported that he was able to kick a, a rather large German shepherd, incidentally, a rather large German shepherd who was proceeding uh, about his business right there. He, he came rushing up. He gave him a nice, solid one, and uh, he was able to put him right over a Fifth Avenue bus. And uh, it was a beautiful shot. It was just the kind of thing that Pete Gogolak, you know, has been working on for years. And uh, we gave him a big hand because uh, uh, we just like to see, uh, once in a while, mankind fighting back. Also, we have other techniques that we use. Uh, we, we, for example, uh, like to, uh, to educate by, uh, uh, how shall I say it, by example. By example. Uh, and uh, we, have, uh, we have one lady member who likes to give examples to dogs, and she carries this little box around with her. But uh, we don't want to get into that. It's a, it gets quite complicated. And uh, if you'd like to join SPLAT, again, as I said, it's a wonderful organization, and uh, SPLAT uh, uh, is moving and growing by leaps and bounds. As the dog population grows, we must, must form first lines of defense. Get up on the barricades. And as I say, uh, with an onslaught of hot weather, which we have just recently experienced here in New York the last three or four days, the, it just gets wonderfully fragrant here. Uh, New York is one of the few towns in the country where a person who has a home garden does not have to invest in fertilizer. All you've got to do on a nice day is just put your little garden out on the, out on the window ledge and let it breathe for a while, and uh, it'll do quite well. Uh, and <laughs> so, uh, if you'd like to join SPLAT, once again, the organization, the name is an acronym, SPLAT, it, it, with an exclamation point at the end, SPLAT. It, uh, it uh, stands for the Society for the Prevention and Limitation of Animal... We'd, we'd love to have you in, and any time you'd like to join, please get your name and address in the mail. That's SPLAT, W-O-R, New York, New York, and we will send you... All of your proper credentials. And you see, you've got to have your proper credentials. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> we had some wonderful bylaws, which, of course, unfortunately, since radio has not totally grown up, we can't discuss on the air. So uh, it's moving. I'm glad to see this is our best season, of course. Uh, we, uh, we, we, I, I say that adversity breeds uh, action, and it also, it also breeds excitement. 
And a lot of people who were involved in other great crusades back in the 50s and the 60s, yeah, a lot of the old gang, you remember the old gang used to march around, band a bomb? Well, they've been out of work for a long time, you know, and their buttons are getting kind of outdated. And that old crowd, the, remember the old Strontium 90 crowd? They used to go around there with the buttons, you know, and the, and the yelling about milk. They're all out of work, too. Uh, you remember the old uh, bomb shelter crowd? That was a wonderful crowd. Well, a lot of them are joining Splat. And if you've been looking for a really ongoing organization with plenty of action, <laughs> it's, a, it's Splat. It's, uh, our, uh, our honorary enemy is Peggy Fitzgerald. Uh, so, uh, uh, Splat uh, is a great outfit. And uh, we're, we're, we come along. We, we have our theme song, too. And uh, I'd love to sing it to you tonight. But uh, for those of you, uh, before we go any further, uh, get ready in there, uh, Barney. Uh, speaking of theme songs, uh, this is the great season, you know, for corns uh, and for bunions. Oh, yes. Uh, nothing uh, I saw, uh, nothing like the summer to bring them out. I, I, uh, as a matter of fact, I saw the other day down on 6th Avenue, way down in the village, I saw this nice lady wearing her, uh, wearing her uh, Indian sandals. She comes out. And she had as great a collection of corns and bunions. It, what, what it looked like, she had. A, what it looked like really was that she had instead of a foot down there. It looked like what she had was a nice bunch of radishes that were nicely stuffed into a sandal. And uh, so, for those of you who have that problem, uh, listen to this lovely piece of music. This is just beautiful. This is just nice. So romantic. Once you soak your feet in corn outside, uh, your corns won't find no place to hide. You can't imagine Carol Lombard with corns. Now you can wash away corns and calluses with Cornoside. For thousands of sufferers, it has truly felt like a miracle worker. Cornoside medicated foot bath helps relieve pain in just minutes, so your feet feel refreshed and revived. And right after is a perfect time to use the amazing Cornoside eraser. It leaves your feet feeling smooth. Cornoside available at all Alexanders. Cornoside, get to your corn, so your corn won't get to you. That's very nice, wasn't it? And now, uh, let's see here. Man cannot live by pasta alone. The next time you're in the supermarket, don't be alarmed if you see people looking at Ronzoni's spaghetti sauce jars and writing things down. They're not trying to steal our recipe. They're just trying to win our sweepstakes because Ronzoni is giving away 500 ladies' Timex watches to people who send us a list of the ingredients in our sauces. We don't care if it's our meat sauce, marinata, meatless, sausage, or mushroom, as long as it's Ronzoni. Why are we doing this? Because we want to make sure you know we thicken our sauce with juicy tomatoes and rich tomato paste, not corn syrup, and that we use only imported olive oil, never partially hydrogenated soybean oil. If you want to make an unfair comparison, after you write down our ingredients, check our competitors' labels to see what they use. That should sell you on Ronzoni from now on. So if you want to crack at winning one of these 500 Timex watches, write down our ingredients on a postal card and send it in to this station. Yes, and you know what this station is. It's, uh, uh, shucks. Uh, it's, uh, uh, wait, I had it here just a minute. Uh, 
things. What the heck was that? Hey, hey, there's a mouse. What? It's, uh... uh this, uh, this uh, station here is... Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, oh, yes, it's the John Gambling Station, WOR New York. You win the contest. <laughs> I, uh... I, I feel always honored. Uh, this is the same studio that Mr. Gambling uses. It's a very important studio here. And uh, I feel honored. It's got this gold chair, you know, and, and uh, it's very important. And I, I uh, love to come into the studio, particularly on uh, Monday nights, uh, because, uh, well, just the other day, for example, uh, I was privileged to use a paper cup that uh, Mr. Gambling had used, and uh, an actual paper cup. And uh, there was a cigar butt floating around in the old used coffee. But, of course, at this hour, you can't get any coffee, so it's any port in the storm. If you're a coffee freak, you'll do it, you know. So uh, I, I, don't mind, uh, I don't mind coffee that's been uh, steeped in a decent cigar. Uh, you know, it's one of the guys come in with these, uh, these uh, nickel stinkers, you know, that, uh, that make the coffee just go bad. But uh, John would never smoke a nickel stinker. As a matter of fact, it's the only it's the only cigar I've seen in a long time that had you know the cigar band was genuine gold. It was a seventeen carat cigar band, you know, not bad. Oh well, that's what happens when you're on in the morning. I have a I have a feeling that the marks are up in the morning, you know. How is it, Mark? It's spelled a Q U E, friend. If you come from uh, Dutchess County, but it's all the same in a yard wide. Yes, it's all baloney, no matter where you slice it. Which reminds me, uh, let's see here. Speaking of, uh, hey, uh, are you going out tonight? Well, the going's great on Broadway. We're a beautiful new musical called Shenandoah. Shenandoah, I heard a guy say the other day on one of the other stations. <laughs> yes, Shenandoah Valley. It's a lovely place. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, he's the same guy I heard say one night... Uh, I don't like to call any names, but uh, he's the same guy. Uh, uh, no, I don't want to, you know, he's, uh, the guilty's lab would be listening. But anyway, it's a beautiful new musical called Shenandoah. It's getting bravos at every performance, or as he said, bravos. Bravos for its handsome star, John Cullum, whose beautiful baritone voice is the best on Broadway, and whose performance wins him an Oscar. Tony, excuse me, Tony. Bravos, too, for leading ladies Donna Theodore and Penelope Milford for the gorgeous music and for the Tony award-winning book. Great book. Seven pages long. Very small type. But uh, nevertheless, yeah, well, it's very hard reading. Uh, it's at the Alvin Theater, Shenandoah, the smash hit musical, and it is on right now. Bum, ba dum, bum, bum. This summer we're leaving town, but we're not gonna hang around. We're gonna run away, run away. Run away. We have a long, white stretch of Jamaican beach where you can love all day. Runaway Bay Hotel. Explore the underwater world of the Jamaican grotto. Cool off in our pool after a morning of tennis or an afternoon of golf. Then chase the sunset on horseback. Run away. Be wined and dined and entertained. Spend a runaway summer at Runaway Bay Hotel in Jamaica. Run away, run away, run away. 
Our low summer rates make running away easy. From $15 to $20 a day per person when two nice people share the same room. European plan. For more information about Runaway Bay Hotel and Golf Club, call your travel agent and have a runaway summer. Oh, oh, it's over, huh? Boy, you get started on something like that, sometimes you can't stop. It's like a tick. Hey, have we made the station break yet, baby? Oh, okay. Fine. I just want to make sure you... I just want to... You know, I'm a very conscientious person. Very, very conscientious. You know, uh, uh, speaking of conscientious, I can't uh, figure out what this is. I I got uh, a junk mail, piece of mail in the junk file here. It comes in here. See, here it is. It says, uh, it says uh, would you like to take advantage of our tremendous unique services? And uh, I get the thing in the mail. I, I'm just curious what it is. It says automatic fulfillment services. The hell is automatic? That's the answer, isn't it? Everybody's been looking for automatic fulfillment services. And by the way, there's an outfit called Instant Instant Antiquing Corporation. And uh, I'll tell you, I've had some experiences in my life that are instantly antiquing. Wow, I mean, you know. Have you ever, you, you always hear these stories, you know, about a guy who's, whose hair turns totally white in 15 seconds. Uh, have you ever met anybody that that actually happened to? Of course not. Old wives tale. Right. And I know an old wife who sits around uh, over at the Chock Full of Nuts over here at 40th and Broad and tells these stories all day long. Old wives tales. She's older than God. Right. She tells these stories, you know, about people whose hair turned white overnight just from worry or a terrible thing happened, an awful green face. Have you ever had the feeling one day you're going to look out of the window and you're John and a green face is going to look in at you with yellow eyeballs out of the dark? What do you mean you, you get that face every morning just looking in the mirror? Oh, well, <laughs> you're the one that I've been worried about. <laughs> Have you noticed that the television is becoming more and more superstitious? Yeah, I mean, well, yes. You mean you haven't been following a lot of those uh, cockamamie shows that come on uh, at 12.30 at night, always being directed, edited, written, and photographed by somebody named Brian? Uh, yeah, he, uh, Brian is a very big popular name today uh, for TV directors, editors, producers, etc., etc. Actors, you just write it in, Brian, Brian, Brian. And uh, Brian is always doing these films <laughs> at late at night that seem to have been shot in some high school auditorium. Uh, they're badly recorded, and these, there's always a, 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 an American girl, a girl that's described as an American girl, an American girl. And uh, she, she's about as American, uh, really, as uh, Princess Anne. And, uh, you know, she, she's an American girl. And they have these problems with ghosts continually. Stuff that keeps coming out of the wall, you know, the ancient days when they uh, boarded up the wall and they put Uncle Cletus in there because he was hanging around with the maid. You know, you know all that story, right? And uh, television believes this. I mean, it doesn't say that there's no ghosts. It says there are ghosts. No wonder the public is getting jumpy. I mean, uh, has it occurred to you that uh, our, uh, our entire foreign policy, probably for the last 15 years, has had a total hex on it? Has, has that occurred to you? Somebody just put a tremendous bad uh, hex on us. No, wait a minute now. Oh, oh, no. I've traveled in parts of the world. You know how uh, people like, uh, um, oh, uh, let's see, uh, 
Who was the guy with a beard that always plays butlers now? He was playing Brian Keith Butler constantly. What's his name? Monty Campo. No, that's Monty Python's Flying Ding Dong. No, uh, Monty Python. That's, that's another guy. Wait, we're getting the report here. Yes, uh, yes. What's his name? Uh, uh, Mr. Smashing. Oh, Sebastian Cabot. Yes, Sebastian Cabot. Yes, he's the type. Uh, he's a sort of low-priced Monty Woolley, and uh, and Sebastian Cabot. Yes, he's for the you know for more of the basement trade. And uh, Sebastian Cabot always. At one point, did, did, did roles where he would come out and he'd say, Yes, I have traveled in many, many remote parts of the world, and I no longer, uh, I no longer laugh when I hear tales of the supernatural. Well, uh, he was always playing ghosts and stuff like that. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, the public is getting to the point now where it's getting very superstitious again. We're slipping back into uh, the Middle Ages. And, uh, yes, I think uh, very, very rapidly. Well, this believing in seers and prognosticators is big. Oh, listen, Gene Dixon today is much bigger than James Reston. Right, the prognosticator. Mm, I have looked into into my silver silver ball, and I see a disastrous moment just approaching us over the wine dark dark sea of the Grecian Grecian Ocean. 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 That's That's called an oracle. An oracle, right. Oracle. Mm-hmm. In case you uh, get anybody asks you, I wonder. If, I wonder if you're an oracle, you know, and and uh, and you have to fill out your your occupation, and you write down oracle, or uh, or does uh, does Gene Dixon write down uh, prognosticator? Huh? <laughs> Serious. <laughs> Bum, ba-dum, bum, ba. uh, we have a couple more for you. Don't think we're going to let you off the hook that easy. Uh, come on, now sing. Come on, sing. Open up, open up. It's Friday night. Come on, open up and sing it. Someday you'll own. That's it, gang. Now watch the bouncing ball. Someday you'll own. Sooner or later you'll own the generals. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. For 60 years, General Tire has been one of the nation's leading tire manufacturers. But General Tire means more than tires. Their one-stop car care centers are staffed by experts who know how to take care of your car, whether it's wheel alignment, wheel balance, lube, and oil change, mufflers, shock absorbers, brakes, or batteries. You get fast, dependable, up-to-date service using only name-brand parts and materials. So, take a look at your yellow page for the General Headquarters nearest you. General, I made it. (laughs) For sooner or later, I say, generals, I say, I say. This summer, when you and your family are traveling, relax and refresh yourselves at a Marriott hotel, and take advantage of our summer family plan. One easy toll-free call will give you a special guaranteed rate at any Marriott from coast to coast with a beautiful guest room, two big double beds, and of course the kids stay free in the same room. And we make it fun for them with pools and game rooms at most every Marriott. They even get their own special menu. And for you, there's a candlelit dinner in one of our restaurants and sparkling entertainment in the lounge. This year, your vacation deserves a Marriott Hotel. And here's the to 
reservations and information, 800-228-9290. Well, it's uh, it's summertime, you know, nuttiness is rampant. You know, speaking of uh, nuttiness, uh, I I have a note here. Some guy writes and he says, uh, Shepard, did you ever have in your lifetime a totally unbelievably boring job? Yes. Yes, I did have a totally boring job. And, uh, you know, I think that a man's future, a person's future in life is tremendously affected by his reaction to boredom. You know, I've known people who don't mind being bored. I mean it. I mean, there are some people who are boredom. So naturally, being bored doesn't mean anything to them. They, 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 they don't know they're bored, you know. I guess it takes a certain amount of imagination to be bored. <laughs> I do. I, I, I'm very serious to be. For example, I don't think a turtle is ever bored. And he's just sitting there. He can sit there for maybe two, three hundred years. And uh, he, you never see a turtle say, oh, God, what a drag. This is getting to be such a drag, walking around with his thing on my back. You know, and uh, you don't... Uh, You've you got to have a certain imagination to be bored. So for those of you who have never really been bored, anybody that says to me, I've never been bored in my life, he is saying he is akin to the turtle. Uh, and, and a lot of people come out with this uh, cockamamie phrase, you know, as if they, that gives them, they're really special. Oh, I've never been bored in my life. And you look at the guy and he's doing the worst boring job you ever saw in your life, see? And you say, you mean you're not capable of being bored? He, you've been sitting for 17 years counting paper clips. Hmm. Well, I know, and it's all in my mind. I, I, I imagine great sculptures made of potato, made of these uh, paper clips, and I see myself as, as uh, clearing up. A... No, no, I'll tell you. Well, I, I, you know, I, I, I think I'm just curious how many guys and women, men, everybody, wh- whose lives. Uh, were set by a job they got at about 16 or 17, and they have never deviated from that since. Yeah. I'll tell you the most... You want to hear the most boring job I ever had in my life? I had... Wait, what are you pointing at? Now, I've done all the commercials. You were on the phone. Uh, see, we've, uh, we've lost four minutes of the show now, messing around like this. See what I mean? Uh, here we go. Let's see. Well, you started all this. Now you got to finish it. All right, here it is. Now we're going to do this for Lee. If you live or work out on Long Island and you like to eat out, uh, they've got a fantastic two-for-one type of offer you ought to look into. It's a joint effort with a local charity and 14 really good restaurants, like Captain's Table Restaurant at the Hempstead Holiday Inn. Now, what happens is you get to have dinner for two at each restaurant, and that includes two dinner theaters, and you only pay for one meal, the more expensive one, of course, but that should almost cut your bill in half for the food. On 14, you could save over 100 bucks. 
Of course, you pay $15 to get the package, but $2 of that goes to the Arthritis Foundation, so it is a good deal all around. Why don't you send in a check tonight? Send it to Adventures in Dining, Box 398, Garden City, New York. That's Adventures in Dining, Box 398, Garden City, New York. Okay, now? Fine. Can I do a show now? How much time do you allow me here? Tell me. Quick, 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 quick. Don't keep writing. Tell me how much time you've allowed me. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, she feels better. Now, you know, I'll tell you, uh, getting back to boring jobs, outside of this one, uh, of course, all present jobs exempted. Uh, but uh, the most boring job I can recall ever really seriously having, <laughs> I, I, I learned very early in my life that I cannot do a routine job, a, a routine task. Now, some people can do a routine task all of their lives and never, never bother them. I've always wondered about people. You know, like a guy, you know, who can do this. Like, like uh, some guy who sits in a little, uh, a little cage and for 37 years hands out one socket wrench every 15 minutes and writes down a slip, and then the same socket wrench comes back and he checks it off. <laughs> I mean, he could do this the whole life, you know. I've wondered about that. It takes a fantastic amount of, of either no imagination or a total zen approach to life where your body is in one place and your mind is out someplace uh, doing unbelievably great things, right? So anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm a kid. See, it's, I'm, I'm about 14, 15 years old now. At this point, I thought boredom consisted of going to school. I thought boredom was really sitting through a civics class where you sit there. I can remember sitting in the back of a, of a, of a civics class with, with a guy named Mr. Harris. Mr. Harris didn't only talk through his nose. He, only talk, he talked through only one nostril. And, uh, yeah, he had a, a curious for you. <laughs> and he's always saying things like, and the city government went to... And I, I can remember being so unbelievably bored, and I thought that was boredom. Little did I realize that the mere fact that Eileen Akers was in the same room made it so it wasn't boredom. Because, uh, you know, they, she was there, and there was a electricity. And so on this occasion, on my 14th birthday, I trotted out down. I figured I was going to make some money. See, I wanted, to, I wanted to buy myself this great three-speed Raleigh bike. You know what those English Raleigh bikes are? I wanted, I wanted to have one of these. Boy, I could taste it, see. And so I go to the old man. I said, hey, uh, Dad, uh, gee, this would be a great summer for me to have a three-speed Raleigh bike. He says, yes, it would be a great summer then for you to have a job, wouldn't it? Huh? <laughs> you want a Raleigh bike? Get a job. Well, I, I said, well, gee, ja gee, Dad, if I have a job, I won't be able to use the bike. I mean, I'll be, I'll be working. And he says, well, uh, that's the way it is, kid. I mean, you know, it's the old story of the cake and eating it. I mean, uh, you can't have your cake and you eat it too. And I said, what's this got to do with a Raleigh bike? What's this business about cake and I eat, eating it? He says, well, let me put it this way. No Raleigh bike unless you get a job and pay for it, huh? Well, I got the message. So I, uh, I went to Howard Schwartz. <laughs> yeah, with me and Schwartz. We, we hot-footed it down to the State Employment Agency. Have you ever been to the State Employment Agency? Lately, what's going on? You guys are having more figuring. I go down to the state employment agency. You ever been to it, Barney? It's a humiliating experience. I'll tell you. First of all, they have all these they have all these desks 
with these people sitting around who look very official with baskets all over their desk full of papers of other guys that have come in there and have gotten no place with them, see? And so <laughs> I, I committed the, the employment place there, and, and there was no jobs anywhere. See, that's the whole point. I mean, just like now, there are no jobs. For 14-year-old kids, forget it, you know? I mean, well, you could pick up a buck or two, you know, cutting somebody's grass, but no job. So anyway, Schwartz and I go down to this place, and we sit in the, in the uh, like a little ante room. Already I'm starting to get bored. Little did I realize that the world of, of, uh, of industry was boring me. See, I wasn't even working, and I was already getting sucked into it because it had an office that looked like the ante room to every shipping office I've ever seen. You know, a calendar over here, and over there, some kind of a cockamamie chart with a with a line that went up says production figures for May. You know that kind of stuff. So, I'm sitting there on this bench with Schwartz, and we had filled out two forms to see somebody in the next room beyond the little screen where they call you in. And we're sitting there, and there's a 500 other people all sitting in there, old guys and elderly ladies, and and the tall big guys, guys wearing steel helmets, and all kind. Of, you know, they're all waiting for John. Well, we sit there the whole eight hours. Nothing. And uh, the, the woman looks out of the screen. She says, those of you who have not been called will return tomorrow at 8 a.m. and you will be at the head of the line. We are taking the names as they uh, enroll in the Job Placement Bureau system. So you will, uh, if, you're, if you have not been called today, return tomorrow at 8 a.m. Well, I go home, see, a whole eight hours sitting in this place. And uh, people mutter, and they go out in the street, and I get in the bus with Schwartz, and we go back home. And I'm sitting at supper time, you know, and the old man says, how you doing getting a job? I said, oh, I, you know, I was down at the employment, uh, employment, the state employment agency down there. He said, how do you like it down there? He, you know, he, he's never down there. I said, well, it's really fun, Dad. I'll tell you what you do. You sit there. And uh, you read the calendar, and they've got a very good calendar down there. It's from Paswinski's Garage. And uh, you look at the calendar, and uh, he says, well, you're paying your dues. No worky, no Raleigh, right? I said, uh, <laughs> okay. So 8 o'clock in the morning, Schwartz and I are there. You know, we're not used to even getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning in summer vacation. See? So we're there at 8 o'clock in the morning. We're sitting. And... Uh, 10 o'clock goes by, 11 o'clock goes by, noon goes by, and you see all the people get up and leave and go to lunch in, inside the cage, see? And, and, and as they leave, uh, the girl says, do not leave uh, because we may call you at any time. So they go out to lunch and they come back. We're sitting finally at 2.30 or 3 o'clock as the shadows are lengthening. I get called. <laughs> they call Schwartz. They call me in. So I walk in. I sit down. And the guy says, uh, now, let's see. Uh, you're seven years old. Let's see. No, no, you're 14. Uh, 14. You certainly don't look at kid. Well, I am. He says, well, all right, I'll take your word for it. You're 14 years old. Let's see. You live on the Cleveland Street. And, okay, now, what is your experience? What have you done? Well, I, uh, I, I, uh, I play third base, uh, I, uh, he says, we have no openings at this time for third baseman. However, uh, you must have done other things. What have you done? Mm, uh, mm, I shoot a BB gun a lot. 
Uh, BB gun shooter. Well, uh, we have no openings that we have here for BB gun testing. Do you think you can test BB guns? But uh, we have no openings for that. Uh, what else have you done? Uh, I go to the store a lot for my mother. Oh, uh, do you have a driver's license? Uh, maybe you can uh, you can work at the grocery store and uh, deliver groceries. No, I don't have a driver's license. Fourteen, you can't get one until you're sixteen, at least. Oh, no, I see no driver's license. Well, uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, have you ever been an apprentice? I said, apprentice? What do you mean, like a jockey or something? He says, no, an apprentice. Uh, Will you go and learn to be something? I said, gee, that sounds interesting. What do you learn to be? He said, oh, we don't mess around with that here. We just get a call for apprentices. Now, do you want to be an apprentice or not? I said, yeah, yeah. Do you get paid? Well, yes. Well, sort of, when you're an apprentice. You get more experience, actually, is what you get. But you get paid. Well, yes, I'd like to be one. So Schwartz and I signed up to be apprentices. Have you ever done this? Signed up to be an apprentice? Well, I go back home, see, and nothing happens for about three or four days. And I'm really, you know, by this time I figure, well, I'm not going to get this job. And it's just not going to work, see. Well, one day the phone rings at home. And on the phone is the State Employment Services. And they said, is Mr. Shepard there? And uh, oh, my mother says, he must be talking about the kid here, right? <laughs> she says, Mr. Shepard, would you put down the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and come over here? Uh, there is a state office wishes to talk to you on the phone. So I come over and I said, hello. And, by the way, that's a classical kid uh, way of saying it. Hello. How many times have you heard that on the phone? Hello. So I get on the phone. Hello. Yes, is this Mr. Shepard? Yeah. Um... No, no, I'm, my name is Gene. He said, oh, yes, so we have here Gene Shepard. Is that you? Yes. Uh, well, Mr. Shepard, would you please go? You, you applied for an apprentice position. Is that correct? Yes. Would you please go to this this address, 1422 Sibley Street, tomorrow at 8 a.m., and uh, you're all set then. You have your papers? You have the, uh, the slip we gave you? Yes. That's it? The next morning, 8 o'clock. Schwartz and I go to this big, long brick building filled with these gray windows. You know those gray windows they have in factories covered with uh, gray dust and that? Every time I see one of those buildings, I feel boredom just to see the building. My head starts going to sleep. And we go to the office marked personnel, a little door in there, personnel. We give them the slips. And five minutes later, I was embarked on the single most boring job I ever had in my life. It was a piano factory. And I was an apprentice in the glue department. Now, what they had, they had a bunch of hot plates. <laughs> and on the hot plates were these gallon paint cans filled with glue. My job was just to stand there all day long and watch the pots to make sure that they did not overflow because there was heat under them. That's all I did. All day long I stood and looked at pots. Nobody came. Nobody went. Once in a while a guy would walk in, never say a word to me, grab a pot and walk out. Then half an hour later somebody would come in with a pot and put it on the hot plate. I just stood. Eight hours. Eight hours watching a pot. Well, 
4.30, this whistle went boop. Everybody ran out, and a guy came in and turned the hot plate off. I left the building with the rest of the guys. And I said to Schwartz, what are you doing, Schwartz? He said, working in the sandpaper department. I says, what do you do? He says, well, I watch the sandpaper to make sure nobody steals it. I said, do people steal sandpaper? He says, no. I just sit and watch it. I said, how do you like it? I don't know. The next day at 8 o'clock, I punched in. I sat and watched the pots. And by the end of the third day, I was slowly turning into a carrot. I could actually see the roots going down. And I could, I could see the green things coming out of the top of my head. And by Friday, I was completely out of my mind with boredom. I couldn't believe it. Eight hours went by, six, seven months would go by during the day. Wednesday at the second week, a guy I had never seen came into the room and he says, uh, you, Shepherd? I'm sitting there watching the pots. By this time, they're mesmerizing me. I can't do it. look at anything but the pots. He says, hey, look at me. I'm talking to you. Are you Shepherd? Yeah. He says, we don't need you anymore. I said, what? He said, you didn't make it. I said, what do you mean? Just didn't make it, kid. Just get out of the appointment office and get your check. I go down there. The guy says, sorry we had to let you go, kid. You know, you gotta have you gotta have something to work here. I'm fired. They give me the check. For eight dollars and forty-two cents. And I go home, fired from my first job. I thought I paid my dues for them. By the way, Schwartz lasted ten days longer until they caught up with him in the sandpaper department. He wasn't cutting it watching sandpaper, you know. Well, you know, you pick your teeth once in a while. It doesn't work. So, life goes on. One night from tonight. Uh, uh. <laughs> this is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation.